It's two girls talking with Atlanta rock and roll DJ from 97.1 The River, Katie Kiley, that's me, and Melissa Ruggieri, my friend who's the music critic for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we are two girls talking. Welcome to our podcast. Melissa, it's episode five. I'm so excited. And we've got a Facebook page that we put up because we thought this is a nice way for you to contact us and let us know what you like or don't like about our podcast, but also to ask you some questions about things that you might remember about special dates or concerts or whatever it is. And this week, October 20th of 1977. It's what one a day. of those dates that you just always remember. I know. If you're a rock music fan, you always remember Absolutely. It. It's one of the days the music died, and I'd say maybe mm-hmm. Southern rock. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that. I worked in California for a couple of years in radio, and Leonard Skinner is beloved everywhere. Right. They're the epitome of what the South was, what a really exciting sound of music it is. When you had the Allman Brothers Band, and think of it, Atlanta Rhythm section, Wet Willie, all these great bands sure. coming from the South. And also, they were at the peak of their fame oh, when, when the gosh. plane crash happened, too, and took the lead singer. I mean, uh, and Steve Gaines, the guitarist who had only been with them for a year, and his sister, who was a backup singer. I mean, and, you know, their, ma- their road manager. We were actually just talking about um, that Showtime documentary that came out in August that we both watched recently, and seeing pictures of poor Steve Gaines and just how recently he had joined the band after after Ed King left and you know and his sister was the one who got him into the band and it was a tragedy and it, it was the day the music died for a lot of southern rock fans because they did epitomize southern rock well when you're young at the time I was quite young I was in high school and at the time you're looking at them as this big huge thing you know mm-hmm. they were stars and then the older you get and we've got years between it now and it's 41 years I which I can't quite believe but now you look at it as an adult a full-grown, maybe a middle-aged adult. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're younger. But I'm telling you, when you get here, you'll look back and you look at it completely differently because you're like, they were so young. Look what they had to look forward to. What struck me about that Showtime piece was their work ethic. Yeah. Everybody said this wasn't a band that just went up on stage and got Mm -hmm. faced and and Mm -hmm. just did whatever they felt like doing. They were a band that rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and all those great guitar solos and all those little piano trills or whatever was going on was very well planned and very well rehearsed and executed right. from these guys that they just picked it up and were playing in their... In Jacksonville, you in know? In their I mean, carport. They, right. I mean, they, they didn't come from a big flashy place. They didn't have great equipment. And, and, you know, but the thing you mentioned about how you were a teenager when it happened and they seemed like larger than life, it's so hard for us to remember now in the digital world where everything is thrown at us 24-7. I mean, ha- you had a newscast then that told you what happened. That's right. You know, so, I mean, it, it's just really interesting how over the years you do start to learn more and more about the crash and the background and hear interviews with the band members who survived and, and stuff like that. But at the time, I imagine it was just something that was like, ah, what's what happened? You, exactly. you know what I mean? Because you really didn't have the type of coverage that you would have today. Imagine something like that happened today. Over the years, I've interviewed the band because there are a lot of them have lived in Atlanta. Right. I've talked to Gary Rossington probably a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And I found this piece I was just saying on the radio the other day that I would never ask him about the plane crash because you don't, why would you ask a member of Leonard Skinner about the plane crash if they lived through that? Sure. But I did. I can't believe we found this audio where I actually asked (laughs) him. And it was great that you did because he had a really amazing response. And I mean, he very easily could have said, I don't want to talk about it or I'm done talking about it. I've talked about it enough. But he gave you a a really thorough answer that was very heartfelt, I thought. It's kind of strange for me to hear. But anyway, we have it for you. This is from 1994, an interview with Gary Rossington before a show. This week, every October 20th, I sit there and I really have to think about what I want to play to pay tribute 
to the me members of Leonard Skinner that aren't here anymore. So like I said, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's coming up this week. And it's one of those dates that, uh, you know, I'd say a couple of weeks in advance the phones will start ringing and people will start calling and talking about it and it, it means so much to them. I'm wondering what effect does this have on you today? What, 17 years later? I, I mean, it's... Yes, uh, why don't you ask me a, a hard question? I'm sorry. No, you no, know I love no, you, so no, I wouldn't, uh, I, like I say, I wouldn't just, ever want to put you on the spot. It's just fate and, and the date, uh, I go away on that day. I don't go back to it. I'm just with them and they're still here in our hearts. And we'll never lose them. And it's real heavy. It is real emotional for me. And there really ain't an answer for that. And I don't know why. I think you did just answer it. Well, it just came through me. <laughs> well. But uh, it's just something uh, that, that happened. And, and I guess it, it was meant to be. If it didn't happen, all the things that happened since then wouldn't have. So who are we to know? We'll know when we die, right? And then when, Melissa, you go back to the Showtime special that we just saw, when you hear Gary talking about it mm -hmm. and when you see him talking about the moment that the plane was hitting mm -hmm. trees, mm -hmm. I've never seen that before. And so to see that on film right. was stunning. Right. Just and the sounds that he heard and yeah. everything that he remembered. And they had the plane crash historian who was part of that documentary, too, who talked about how anytime you walk out to that area, you'll always find something from debris from the plane. And sure enough, even with the camera crew there, they found a piece of the plane buried deep in the dirt and, you know, just kind of pulled out a piece of fuselage. But it, I mean, to think that after 40 years or maybe it was 38 or 39 when they filmed this, you know, years, it's still there. It's still I know. It's, but it's one yeah. of those rock and roll stories. It right. is. And it's something that when I think about, especially being from Atlanta, mm -hmm. living here most of my life, and that show at the Fabulous Fox Theater, that mm -hmm. live show, One More from the, the Road. Show, yeah. If you don't know what the Fox Theater is, there are Fox Theaters in other parts of the country, right? That that must mm -hmm. be the same kind of Grandiose beautiful. palace type. Yes. Theater. Yeah. And that's what this is. And they were actually going to raise it, mm -hmm. R-A-Z-E, raise it, <laughs> in the 70s. Right. And they were going to make it a parking lot. It's still here today, and it's one of the most beautiful, beloved places in Atlanta. But the but Skinner had helped raise, raise money. They did a Save the Fox campaign. Yeah. And you can see on that album posters for the Save the Foxes in there, but it was... They were really dedicated to Atlanta. I mean, and back to that documentary, it shows when they were playing at Finocchio's, which, Finocchio's. of course, way before my time. I've only been here eight years. But, a little while. But it looked awful. But, you know, it looked like the kind <laughs> of grimy fun. place that that's where a Southern rock band was going to play. And that's where they got signed. I mean, that's, that's you know, where they were first sort of discovered. So, I mean, Atlanta's always been obviously really, really special to them. And then back in 2014, you and I were back at the Fox when they did one of those tribute concerts to Skinner and Peter Frampton played, Cheap Trick played, John Hyatt played. It was one of those really cool nights where the first hour was sort of, you know, other artists doing their songs and then the band came on at the end and did an hour long set as well. And that's out on DVD. That's been out on CV yes. and DVD. So if you weren't there and, you know, you're interested, you could still check that out. But it was just cool to see them back in that venue where obviously they've been over the years since then, but still to have them back in the Fox because that really, I mean, they're kind of synonymous with They have to feel like yeah. they're partially responsible right. for that place still being there for yeah. sure. And then we have to describe, we'd be remiss not to talk about Alex Cooley, who's mm -hmm. a promoter who actually is world renowned, mm -hmm. but he of course is from Atlanta too. Right. We are very proud of him. He passed away sadly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we miss him. December 2015, yeah. 2015. But, but Alex was, I mean, he was, you know, Mr. Atlanta Music as far as the, the artists that he brought through here and just the various venues that he had over the years and the work that he did to 
to promote them, literally. <laughs> well, and there are very few artists that I think that you would bring up Alex Cooley's name that have been around since mm -hmm. the late 60s, mm -hmm. early 70s that don't know who he is. And mm -hmm. they'd probably have great stories oh, about yeah. him because he, he was a wonderful person. But I've also heard some kind of scary stories about him, too. Alex could have a temper. <laughs> He's a big guy, yeah. a really big guy, but even in a, more of an enormous heart. And oh, my gosh. But he was very close to Ronnie. Mm -hmm. And they were doing a Save the Fox. It was 50 years since the Save the Fox campaign just a couple of years back, yep. right before Alex died. Right, year, yeah. And I had him in the studio with me because mm -hmm. I thought it'd be great to interview him. He was so instrumental in helping save the Fox Theater and was so instrumental in that Skinner show that I wanted to ask him some questions about it. Here's what he has to say about Ronnie, who neither you or no. I got a chance to get to know or interview. At least, we, at least we have Alex for that. That's right. <laughs> the Leonard Skinner shows were incredible. I mean, um, uh, I, I get misty when I talk about Leonard Skinner, so I don't talk about him that much. Ronnie was such a great guy, and uh, he was real excited about playing the Fox. Uh, the whole band was, and they were good dates. They were they were they were so primed for it, and the audience, you know, the, it's a two way street. If you have a dead audience, I don't care. I mean, if you can be fantastic and it's just like playing to a wall. The audience was primed for it, super primed for it. And it was just a night where the heights were reached for a rock and roll. And I remember that extremely well. And, and Leonard Skinner donated $5,000 of their fee. And Leonard Skinner really couldn't afford it at that time. Either. Really? They were still struggling to a large degree. They were getting some success, but they, they certainly weren't in the chips at that point. So they donated what sounds like chump change nowadays, although $5,000 is still $5,000. But back then, that was a considerably a lot more money than it is now. They gave till it hurt. And... Uh, the Fox needed it really bad, too, at that Isn't point. Isn't that something? You know, one of the things, and I just want to ask this as an aside, one of the funny things to me about reading about them, I read a book, I gave you the book to read, remember? It was there, oh, yes, um, yeah, yeah. You know, mentioned what, you, what and they're all such big fans of yours, and so I was like, Alex has got to read this. But what cracked me up was they were just regular guy. I mean, they'd get oh, they in were, fights, they'd be drinking, and they'd just start what? fighting. And <laughs> they were they were more than regular. They they were working class Southern boys, and all the things that that's good, and all the and some of the things that are bad. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie, though, I got to know Ronnie better than anybody else, and uh, Ronnie was very smart. He was not. He dumbed down. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you have to. If you're a guy and you're raised in the South and you have any intelligence at all, you got to hide it to, to a certain degree, Katie. Wow. You know that. No, I, did, I don't. I don't. Well, the, the South of the time that, that we were coming up, that back in the 60s and 70s, yeah, you did. You really wow. did. Wow. Uh, wasn't cool. <laughs> That just kind of blows my mind. That's that's my sociological observation of the day. Probably invalid is all. No, know, it's not. Well, I remember dumbing down. I remember actively working it. Not 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 that I am smart, but uh, you're very that, very uh, smart. That, that that I didn't show any vestiges of that whatsoever. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. 
Ronnie and I used to sit up in hotel rooms late in the night talking about deep stuff. And uh, Ronnie was intelligent, but he was very working class. He he kept that band together, too. I mean, it was it's just amazing that they managed to go past him because he, I've seen him physically reprimand them after a show. Uh, corporal punishment was in Ronnie's uh, bailiwick. You know, when I hear a song like Simple Man now, it's stuff that I grew up with. So it's very close to me. But when I hear it, sometimes I'll hear it with new ears. Like, what if I were just playing this for somebody now? Listen to Southern Man again. Neil Young's song. Okay, yes. Yeah. Listen to Southern Man sometime. And then listen to Leonard Skinner's response to Southern Man. Sweet home uh, it, It's an interesting juxtaposition between the two. Whew, that's the late Alex Cooley, who is a big, huge concert promoter from the Atlanta area, but everybody knew him around the world. Isn't that interesting what he says about Ronnie and how close he was to him, but that how surprised he is that Skinner actually rose from the yeah, ashes? I know, because, you know, when you, when you lose your lead singer for most bands, now fortunately he had a brother. <laughs> Two brothers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One that plays with 38 with special. 38 special. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it. it it's a pretty incredible story. And, of course, the band is currently on their final tour. And we often talk about artists that say it's their farewell tour or whatever, and then they come back two years later. I know. We joke about it. Say, just kidding. We don't just talk about it. You know, even my beloved Cher is guilty of that. Yeah. But, but I think with Leonard Skinner, I mean, I think it probably is true. I mean, Gary hasn't been in the best of health. He's had some issues over the years. And, you know, you just get to the point where it's sort of like, do we really need to keep doing this? But you and I saw them earlier this year in March at a at a private concert and uh, at the Buckhead Theater, which, you amazing. know, only holds about, what, 1,500 people, if that. And it was really, I mean, they, I was really impressed at how tight they were. I mean, they, they sounded really, really good. And then they came through Atlanta again this fall at, uh, at one of our amphitheaters because that's pretty much what they've been playing on this farewell tour. And I wasn't able to catch them there, but I felt like nothing was really going to top seeing them at the smaller place. Anyway. I know, <laughs> so. I know. But the thing is, is that when you do see them live, they are just still so phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And this is your last chance to see them live. It I really is. They're touring through the end of the year, and then they're doing um, one of those Southern Rock cruises at the beginning. That would be fun. And I think that's their last thing. I, I, they, they keep adding dates, <laughs> as often happens with farewell tours. But from what I could tell, from you know, from what I've heard and reading their schedule and stuff, that that you know, the end of the year is pretty much going to be the end of the road for for them as a touring outfit. Well, it seems to be a lot that's kind of converging at once right now, right around this anniversary date. As I said, forty-one years this October twentieth. Tell us about a little bit about this other movie, the documentary, <laughs> the Artemis Pyle piece, because this is just real recent news. Oh, yeah. This was just uh, like last week. Uh, there was some it's litigation that's been going on for about a year. So Artemis Pyle wanted to release a movie about the plane crash called Street Survivors, the true story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash. And is this like an acting? So it's not and a documentary. It's not it's a documentary. People are acting. They, they, you know, it's people acting. They even have uh, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler actors, you know, playing them in the movie as well. So, I mean, so it's a full what cast. Do it's, I don't know, actually. But <laughs> I saw that on the, on the cast list and I thought, hmm, okay. So they started filming the movie last year. And then about that time, the rest of the band sued Artemis saying that it violated a 1988 consent decree that governed the use of Skinner's name in history. A judge said, sorry, you can't move forward with this. This was last August, a year ago, yeah. August. But then now, just last week, a federal appeals court in Manhattan 
they voted unanimously, actually, to overturn that injunction that the rest of the band had because this is it's a sticky thing. It's like so it said because the decree blocked Artemis from making a movie about Leonard Skinner's history, it didn't prevent him from making a movie about his experiences with the band, which included the crash. Okay. So there was sort of a loophole there that has now allowed them to move forward with this movie, which is in it was in post-production when the injunction. Was oh, wow. So, so there's no release date for it yet, but it is pretty it's much ready to roll. Probably. So it, I would say in the next few months, you know, you'll, you'll probably see it. So, yeah. Well, it's, and Artemis, you know, always I, I've talked to him a few times and he will talk about it. Yeah. And he with all the injuries that he had, it literally had to climb through the jungle of where they ended up Mm -hmm. to get help Mm -hmm. i mean it's pretty extraordinary what he went through during that but i still i do feel like it's it's just sort of holy you know it's one of those things i know i know i don't know yeah and i think maybe that's why the band rest of the band bristled at something especially since it's not a documentary and maybe you're just a little apprehensive about how it's going to be depicted or you know how the actors are going to be depicted on the other hand you would figure that a guy who was in the band and lived it you know was going to be respectful of yes i would hope of it as well and just wants to tell his story you know as being a member of of skinner so i but it's it's interesting though how the band just keeps going <laughs> you know well it's how amazing even after 41 years yep. since the crash and you know years before that when when they were first you know becoming popular how people are still interested in the leonard skinner lore you, you know and and hearing about their history very special mm-hmm. i wish that i had had a chance to see them all together and i have a friend that every time he hears the live version of freebird he's like i was there <laughs> and that's the thing we have a facebook page now too want to let you know it's two girls talking mm-hmm. the number two girls talking on facebook so just go to facebook Type that in and we'll come up. And part of the reason why we did it is we wanted to be able to interact with you and, right. and you tell us some of your experiences with these things. And so we had somebody tell us a little bit about his feelings about Skinner. Well, and also this reader, um, Ken Waller, he mentioned we kind of asked him what he remembers about the day of the crash. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. You know, you, we certainly remember where we were when we heard about Prince and where we heard about Tom Petty just recently. And they are things that just stick with you all the time. John Bonham for me, too. Yeah, I, I bet. remember that. Yeah. Yep, yep. Ken Waller says that he was headed to work. He was driving on I-75 and he was just totally in shock. He saw them the last time they played Atlanta before the crash. Also, he said July 9th, 1976 was... Yeah. Was when the last time that they had played. And that's the thing. Going back to what Alex Cooley said about them, they were working class Mm -hmm. Southern boys. You need to see this documentary. If you're a fan of Skinner, see it. If you don't know anything about Leonard Skinner, see it because it makes you realize these songs are, it's just extraordinary what they did and where they they stand in history. And you know, the thing that I loved with that documentary is it opened with, and I'm not sure who it was talking because they never showed it. You just heard the voice and I don't know if it was Gary or not. It probably was Gary. But the first thing that you hear is somebody saying there are, for so many people, they think Skinnerd is just Freebird in Sweet Home Alabama. But there are generations who don't realize the depth of oh my gosh. what they did. And that's exactly why you would continue watching a documentary yes. like that, is, to, is to learn about it and read about it. And, you know, it's 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 interesting stuff. And if you have any interest in rock history... I mean, you got to know about it. It doesn't get much bigger than Leonard (laughs) Skinner. But on this October 20th, Mm -hmm. just think about them for a minute and just think about what they've done for rock and roll for sure. And they're such lovely people. Again, you and I have talked about the musicians. We get to meet so Mm -hmm. many of them. And these guys are just the most down to earth, Mm -hmm. great, talented, wonderful people. Hold up a lighter. Yeah, there you go. Of Leonard Skinner. And listen to Freebird. Listen to Freebird. Actually, what I'm going to do is listen to Sweet Home Alabama because I thought that story was great. And then to see, 
Ronnie wearing the Neil Young shirt on stage. Yeah. yeah. This is brilliant yeah. because they're like, who is Neil Young, this Canadian right. guy, to talk about a Southern man? <laughs> right. So what Alex advised when he was talking about mm-hmm. it, listen to them back to back with new ears. And that just kind of goes to show you how special Skinner was. Well, and speaking of Sweet Home Alabama, Ed King, who just died, he's the one <sighs> who wrote that lick. I mean, that, <laughs> that's that got iconic to me too. <laughs> guitar work right there. I mean, and, he, and he's in the documentary, which obviously they filmed a couple looked, of years ago. But he looked really good. He did. I know. I was shocked when I saw him. And I was like, wow, I was not expecting you to look this good considering, you know, he just died and I had know. a heart transplant in recent years. And yeah. They've had a lot, a lot of tragedy. But the great thing is their music lives on with us. And I, I just, bigger fan as years go on. You yeah. know, I just hear the songs again, like with New Year's. And I just think this is pretty astounding. Well, catch them in concert the if you can, too. You, you, got, you, you go. got a couple months left. That's right. <laughs> two Girls Talking 11 at gmail.com. That's the number two girls talking 11, the number 11 <laughs> at gmail.com. I don't even know why we chose 11. And also our Facebook page. We've got it now. Two Girls Talking. And we'll, we'll post pictures. and But give us ideas for things. We're thinking yeah. We've gotten somebody that's saying, love Greg Allman. Right. We're right. going to be talking about talking Greg Allman on his birthday, too. early December. By the so. way, the reason we picked 11 is it's our birth month, remember? Oh, <laughs> there, thank you. <laughs> Two We're girls talking November was taken, <laughs> so we needed a number. <laughs> We're like, hey, both of our birthdays are in November. So. That's good. Uh, Melissa, thank you. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe on yes. iTunes.